that you may want over there because it's all donated anyway. I will open it up for the church uh, to see if you have need of any, any of that stuff in there. And then, uh, uh, other, and then so we'll open that up for the church folks on Friday at 5 p.m. And then open it up for the public on Saturday at 8.30. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and if you want to have a controlled, it's like a controlled Black Friday, right? Uh, people just, um, it's interesting. And, and, and we've got to make sure that you all understand, don't let somebody uh, conscript you into being their uh, shopping assistant. Because they'll be because uh, we should be there and just talking to people and you know find out where they go to church, see if they're born again, that sort of thing, and witness to them. But they may say, "Hey, can you watch my stuff?" The answer is always no, because if, if you say yes, then you're stuck. I mean, you're stuck there for two hours. They'll go, and that'll be the last person you talk to, right? So, just make sure you don't get stuck into into being somebody's shopping assistant, right? <laughs> and so, um, and uh, we try to discourage people from being resellers. You know, it's here for the community. Uh, it's hard to police some of that stuff there, so, um, but um, all is well, so if you get a chance, it'll be that Saturday at 8.30, uh, we'll have a good time uh, doing that, so, uh, but why don't we pray and we'll get into the Word tonight, so Father, we thank you for your Word, and Father, we approach your Word humbly, uh, knowing that it's your Spirit that, that gives us revelation, insight, wisdom into your Word and plan for our lives, and so, uh, Father, we thank you for the supernatural aspect of your Word, it's not just printed words on page, Father. It's, it's alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We give you praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. Uh, we, talked, we started talking last week a little bit about uh, verse 14, uh, where we, we talked quite a bit about pressing toward the mark. But Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, uh, there is an effort, right? I press toward. Um, so there's an effort that we have to do because, you know, there's a lot of competition for your life. There's a lot of competition for your attention. There's a lot of competition for uh, your ideas. You know, the world's always trying to push their ideas onto the church. Well, we want the church to be nice but not say anything that would make us uncomfortable. Uh, and so uh, we have to press toward the mark, amen? Uh, because if we're not, we'll end up being just like the world and we'll be accepting of all the world's um, uh, ideas, and so we don't want to do that. So there's some effort on our part that's required to, to maintain that path. Amen. Remember, remember when Jesus, when it was time for him to go to Jerusalem, he was in Samaria, and the Samaritans were like, hey, stick around, you know, and he's like, no, I, I've set my face like flint towards Jerusalem, and I've got to go to Jerusalem, and they got mad at him, and that's when, that's when John, uh, John said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven? You know, it's a pretty intense response to them being upset that Jesus won't stick around. It's, nope, they weren't, they weren't mad at him like, we, we don't like what you're saying. They loved him and wanted him to stay. So it wasn't like they were rejecting his doctrine. They were approving of his doctrine and wanted to hear more of it. And, but he said, well, I've got to go. I can't stay. And so, uh, so John, uh, Lord, uh, shall we call down fire from heaven? You know, that shouldn't be your first response to somebody's um, disagreement with you, right? I'm going to burn you all and nuke, you, nuke the rest of you. It's a little extreme, don't you think? And of course, Jesus, what did Jesus say to them? You know not what. What spirit you are of, right? Remember that? Uh, and so what, what was he saying? He said, you're, you're yielding to the wrong spirit. Now, Peter and John, I mean, James and John were close to Jesus, right? The, the, the three amigos, right? Peter, James, and John. So they were the closest to Jesus. And really, John, in many ways, was, was probably the closest to Jesus of all the disciples, 
And yet Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you have. Remember what he told Peter in Mark six, uh, Matthew 16? Get thee behind me who? Satan, right? And so uh, the disciples more than once, you know, those two are recorded, but you reckon there's any other time they yielded to the devil while ministering with Jesus? I mean, I think every time they told all the sick people to hush and quit bothering Jesus, they were also yielding to the devil too, right? You're, you're bothering us important people. <laughs> uh, when we get so important that we can't help people, uh, we're kind of too important there, right? So, uh, so Jesus, he was pressing toward the mark. He had to go to Jerusalem, and nothing was going to persuade him to change. Even ministry, right? It wasn't like uh, it was sin or temptation. It was, here's what God's called me to do. And that's where you have to find your path. Whatever God's called you to do, you can't let people or things or events get you sidetracked from that course. Amen? Because it's easy, especially in our society today, there's so many distractions, so many things that we could get involved with. Uh, and I see churches do it all the time where they'll say, well, we need, we're going to start. Uh, I, I know um, when we first bought this building here next door, somehow it got into the, into the, into the uh, community that we were going to open up a homeless food shelter. Right? We're going to fix like Wednesday night soup kitchen or something for the homeless. And, and anything wrong with feeding the homeless? I'm nothing wrong with feeding the homeless. But I had more than one person say, I heard you opening up a homeless shelter. And I even had one or two people in the church, yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what you should do. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I should do is make soup every day. And, 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 and I'm like, uh, well, who's going who's gonna to run that? I'm not going to run that. I mean, I, you know, I've got to study and pray and prepare for three services a week. Um, I don't have time to make soup. And besides that, you don't want me to make soup anyway. I mean, I'd make soup. It'd be out of a Dintymore can. You know, you can talk to Jerry about our famous Dintymore story there. But, um, and and so, so if I had done that, uh, I would have gotten sidetracked from my core responsibility. Now, again, nothing wrong with helping people. Nothing wrong with doing those things. But that's not my mark, right? That's not the mark that God has put on me. My mark is to teach the Word of God. Amen. Uh, and so that's, that doesn't mean that it's less of a job to help the, help the homeless. Uh, but I always think it's funny, you know, people um, online, you know, Facebook ministers, they always, Facebook preachers, you know, I call them Facebook preachers. Uh, all you churches need to open up your doors to the homeless. Okay, I'll do that right after you open up your house to the homeless, right? Because if you want me to open up this house, uh, you need, I need to see you open up your house and then allow some homeless person that you don't know stay there 24 hours a day in your house when you go off to work. And, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to rummage through your sock drawer or eat all your cookies? I mean, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I mean, nothing wrong with doing that, but, you know, who's going who's gonna to watch over them? Because most of the homeless people are probably wonderful people, but there's going to be some folks who are not wonderful people. And so, you know, you can't just open it up to anybody. And, uh, and um, I know uh, one, one day there was another one that said, uh, someone was needing some help to move somebody, move, uh, move somebody's uh, uh, possessions from one place to another place, uh, and it was a, it was a, uh, I think a, a traumatic situation where they had to move. That they were having to move uh, on a particular day, and then someone responded, "All you, all you Christians need to, need to put up or shut up and, and help this person out. They need a lot of help." And the same person in the same sentence said, "I'm not available that day, but, uh, but I uh, hope you get enough people to help." Uh, just after they excoriated all the church, so you better do your job. I'm not going to do it, you know, but you better do your job. Uh, and um, that, that's when um, I, have, I have met many people over the years who, in fact, one person told me one time, they said, 
you know, I'm really good at starting things, but I, I'm not good at, at, at keeping them going. I like to hand them off. Well, that's somebody who's just lazy, right? I mean, they don't, they don't want to say it that way, but they're just lazy, right? They love telling everybody else what to do. They don't actually want to do anything, right? Well, there's, I mean, there's work to do. I mean, there's, if you're going to do ministry, you know, along with the ministering and preaching, there's just work. There's things you got to do, you know, just setting up the service for tonight. There's how many buttons did you click, Jared, to, to get the service ready for tonight? Uh, there's just things to do, amen? And so, um, but if, see, if that's your mark, if your mark is to be in the helps area and to help those things, well, then help in those things, amen? Uh, and so, uh, don't feel like your job is to tell everybody else what to do. There's already a pastor in the church, amen? And so, you don't need to have, well, my, I just want to tell everybody else what to do. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of my job, right? I mean, my name's on the door over there, uh, and so I can tell everybody what to do. And not that I don't care to help, you know, um, I help uh, wherever I can for sure. But for all of us, we all have a mark, right? We all have a goal that the Lord has given to us. What has he given to you? You know, and sometimes people say, well, I don't know what my goal is, what my mark is. I don't know what I'm called to do. Um, you know, and in those cases, uh, I, I would encourage you to do, is what I did, is whatever is there to do. You know, if you don't know where you're going to, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be in the ministry, someday, but I didn't know when that was going to happen, what it would look like, how it would occur. And so there was things that, that I could do at the church, so I just did things I could do. It wasn't that, wasn't like, well, I'm too good to do that because I'm, I'm called to be in the ministry. Well, I'm not in the ministry, so I'm also do things, amen? And so I just did things, and, but, and, and I have met many people who are very willing to do that, and I've met a, a very few who are unwilling to do anything because they're waiting for their ship to come in. You know, they're waiting for uh, one person, uh, they said that they were prophesied over uh, by a so-called prophet that they, had, they, were, they were called to a worldwide ministry. And you know, uh, are, is anybody called to a worldwide ministry? Surely there are many people who are called to a worldwide ministry. But you know, the, a, a, a prophecy like that would typically come after you've been doing something, right? You know, like uh, Paul, and, and remember Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13? It says that the, the Holy Ghost, Acts 13, 1 and 2, said the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work where until I've called them. Well, that was Acts 13. When did Paul get saved? Anybody remember? What chapter? Acts chapter 9, right? Road to Damascus, he got saved. So, so they tell us it's about a year per chapter in Acts. Maybe it's not exactly right, but it's pretty close. So he's been in ministry for many years, right? He'd already done a lot of, lot of uh, um, missionary work and, and preached a lot of places and done a lot of things. And, and then the Lord uh, separated him and, and moved him from a prophet teacher from Acts 13 to an apostle. Uh, and so uh, we're, but he already had a worldwide ministry in a sense that he was already, he'd already traveled the world by that time. Uh, and so you know, if somebody had prophesied over him, well, then it was just what he was already doing, just maybe more of it, right? But the prophet told them that they were going to have a worldwide ministry. And they were literally doing nothing at the time. They weren't doing any jail ministry. They weren't doing any Sunday school. They weren't doing any filling in for the pastor. They weren't doing any street preaching. They weren't doing any door-to-door witnessing. They weren't doing, I mean, they weren't really doing no ministry, zero ministry. Uh, and so they were unwilling to help in their local church. And, and, and that's like, what, well, you know, there, there, there is a progression always in the Word of God. There's always progressions in the Word of God. The Lord always promotes people, amen? You know, all the way back to Old Testament, remember Joseph, right? Of course, people say, said that Joseph was, 
went through all of his troubles and trials and thrown in prison so that God could prepare him for what he was to do and get him to a place where he was supposed to be. And I, you know, I completely reject that doctrine because the Lord's not going to uh, put you and arrest you in jail to, to teach you things. Amen. Uh, and, and if you, because if you back up and find out, well, how did he get on that road? How, why was he first sold into slavery? Anybody remember? What did Joseph do and say to his brothers that caused them to, to not like him? Shared his dream with them, right? Did the Lord tell him to share his dream with them? No. And, and it's, of course, you know, he's the youngest, right? I'm the youngest of 11. He's the youngest of 12. If I told all my older brothers and sisters, hey, you all going to be working for me someday. And not only working for me, you're going to be bowing down to me. Because, you know, I'm going to be really important, way more important than you all. You know, it'd be like just, just stuff them, you know, just stuff them under a bed right now. Just, you know, just, you know, you get rid of them right now. And, I mean, what do you think their response is going to be? I mean, you know, Reuben and Gad and, I mean, I mean you're already mad if you've got a name like Gad anyway, right? And so then you've got somebody telling you that they're going to be, you're going to be worship them in a minute. No. And so, you know, it was surely the Lord that gave him those dreams, but the Lord gave him the dreams to prepare him for what was to come. And the Lord had a path to get from where he was to number two in Egypt, at the Pharaoh. And Joseph messed it all up. And in spite of him messing up, the Lord still managed to make it work, right? The Lord will always take you wherever you're at. And if you mess it all up, he'll still find a way. If it's possible, everything's possible with the Lord, of course, but sometimes with man it's not possible. But he still found a way to get Joseph number two. But see, Joseph could have just been Joseph all along, and then he could have still heard about the, the Pharaoh's dream. I remember Pharaoh had a dream about the seven years and seven years uh, and, 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 and the, the good cattle and bad cattle. And, uh, he could have heard about that dream just like Daniel did and said, hey, I, know, I, I can tell you what that dream means. Without going to prison, without being arrested, without being thrown in a pit and, and, and left for dead, he, he could have done that, and the Pharaoh would have been glad to, to, hey, come on, you know, we'll let you be number two. You didn't have to go through Potiphar's house and go to prison and all those things. And so, uh, so you know, he, uh, uh, he, he had a progression, right? He, he, did, he started as the youngest of his children, or one of the youngest, uh, and he did move up, right? Same thing with David, right? David was just a shepherd for years and years. And, and, um, uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, Samuel came and prophesied over him. But even after he prophesied over him, David just went back to, he just went back to being a shepherd. Well, there's nothing to do right now. I'm going to go back and put my hand to what I know to do, put my hand to. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and I think we do a, a really a great job around here. We never have problems uh, when we need help for things, projects and things. Everybody's always uh, willing to help. And I know some, t- some people can't help all the time. So there's no, there's no condemnation on that at all. Uh, but, you know, uh, because I, I encourage, I always do, and I, I think it's valuable, uh, I always encourage everybody uh, in, in every church, not just our church, you should always help wherever you can. Amen? Uh, and I understand, you know, some things, you know, um, uh, you know, if you're not called to sing, well, you know, uh, then don't volunteer to sing, right? <laughs> if you're not called to, I mean, some people, you know, well, I'm not called to, to children's ministry. Well, I understand that, you know, we, we may, may, may make you run the children's ministry, uh, but uh, it's not that hard to, to do the children's ministry. I've done children's ministry over the years. Uh, and so, but you know, you find out what works in your heart, amen? Uh, you should do something. Uh, and so if you look around and you say, There's, I, can't, I can't find anything ever to do, at church to help in any way at all, 
you might want to rethink that, right? Because there's always something to do, amen? I mean, just like we had the Saturday thing, we got the, we got the thing coming up with the, the free yard sale. Um, there's, there's always things to do. And, and again, uh, I decided a long time ago, I'm never going to get, in my heart, I'm never going to get cross, uh, crossways with anybody in the church who doesn't do anything. I'm just, I refuse to, I'm not going to get mad at somebody. I'm not going to hold it against them because I'm not in, I'm not in their life. I'm not, I don't, I'm not their Holy Ghost. Amen. There may be reasons for that. You know, uh, it could be, they could just be lazy. I know, but they could have other things going on. They may have responsibilities outside of church. And so, you know, for me to get upset because somebody doesn't show up on a work day, I mean, that's just, that, that's foolishness on my part. Amen. But you should find, find your mark, find your goal, what the Lord has called you to do, and, and do the very best at that that you can. Uh, and, and, and so, um, because he said there's a prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we talked a, l- a little bit about uh, last week, we mentioned uh, Hebrews eleven six, 6, uh, where it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So is there a reward for following the Lord? Is there value in, in following the Lord? And so uh, that's what we talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, in, in that Ephesians 1 prayer about, uh, one prayer about uh, uh, that you would know the hope of his calling. Uh, and so there should be hope in your calling. You know, there should be hope in whatever. There should be a confident expectation that the Lord is going yeah, to reward me for being faithful. And if I'm doing something and nobody knows about it, as long as the Lord knows about it, then I'm good. Amen. Uh, and really, you know, that, that's where our heart should always be. Uh, Lord, I don't have to be seen. Amen. Now, if you can't help but being seen, like you're, you're the praise and worship leader or praise and worship singer, people are going to see you, aren't they? Uh, and so they're, so they're going to know what you're doing, uh, and, and that's fine. Amen. Uh, and so, of course, some people will kind of feign um, humility and say, you know, don't look at me. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord. Well, you're the praise worship leader. Of course, I'm going to look at you. Amen. And so, um, so uh, you, but you have to have that hope that there is value in serving the Lord. And you have to be convinced of that. There is value. Whatever I set my hand to, there's always value in doing that. Uh, and, and, you know, <clears throat> for me, over the years, when I was with our pastor, we, we did a lot of things for him. Both Chris and I did uh, for him and the church, of course. And, and, um, and I, I, I always had hope in the sense that uh, I always saw everything that I did for my pastor and for my church as sowing and reaping, that I'm investing now for my future. And I didn't know what that future looked like, but uh, because I wasn't doing other things, I, well, I can do this, and so I just did this. I did not help with the sound, but I didn't just help with the sound. You know, sometimes uh, uh, if somebody else was running sound or that didn't need to be run sound, I could go help in the nursery. I could go uh, do other ministry and jail ministry and nursing home ministry and you know, the nice thing about doing nursing home ministry is you can't hardly mess them up. I mean, they're just, you know, a lot of the, lot of the people there, uh, especially at that particular nursing home, uh, they weren't all, all there mentally, right? A lot of them had, uh, had uh, some physical and mental issues. And one, one lady just started undressing. She was hot, and she just started undressing in the middle of the service, started taking her clothes off. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so they, all the workers had to rush in there, no, no, you know, stop that, stop that. And so uh, it makes it for a really exciting ministry. And so... Um, but, um, uh, so, you know, I just encourage you have hope, amen. Have hope that there's a prize, have hope that the Lord's going to reward you, uh, when you diligently seek him. 
and, and of course, uh, we know the scriptures there. Uh, I just want to read a few more related to this uh, in Mark chapter 10, where Peter was talking about that we've given up everything for, for, uh, to the Lord. And the Lord said, if you've given up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, but you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. In Mark 10, 30, he said, but you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Uh, and, and the people who, only, who, who say we should only look to the future for our rewards and never anything in this natural world uh, apparently don't know how to read or something. Because did Jesus say you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time? That's what he said, right? And he says, in fact, you're going to receive all the things that you sowed. So you sowed, he said, if you gave up houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, uh, whatever, he said, you're going to receive uh, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands. Uh, and so uh, you sowed all those things, you're going to get to reap all those things, which we talked about. But that's why he had told the rich young ruler to do that earlier in the chapter, because that's why Peter was saying this. Well, the rich young ruler, you said he's not going to make it into heaven. What about us? You know, we've given up everything. Uh, and, and so Jesus was really, he, he was trying to get the rich young ruler to give so that he could uh, respond by increasing his uh, material value, his material wealth in the earth. And, you know, the Lord oftentimes will raise up people who are really good at something like that, right? So the rich young ruler, well, he was called the rich young ruler for a reason, right? He was young. But he was, he was wealthy, but he was also a ruler, right? He, he was a person who knew how to manage things, knew how to manage uh, wealth, knew how to manage people and properties. And so the Lord's like, well, then I can put a bunch more into his hands, and he'll manage it well for the kingdom. And that's what the Lord's intent was by telling him, uh, sell what you have and give to the poor, because I'm going to uh, bring a dump truck load and, and increase you a hundredfold in this time, in this life, right? That's what he said, right? In this life. Uh, and so... Oftentimes, the Lord will gift somebody with those talents and abilities to manage those types of things, and he will use them in that area, right? Other people, he'll gift them with talents to sing and to play music or people to study and to pray and to preach. I mean, he gifts everybody with different things, right? And so whatever gifts and talents you have, if you'll sow that to the Lord, then you'll reap from that, amen? And so he was telling Peter, don't lose your hope in serving me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Both in this life, of course, he said, with persecutions, right? We, we, we don't uh, want to be super excited about that part. Uh, and we're not looking for persecutions, but it comes. Uh, just uh, read any, any website about any minister who's, who ever is worth more than a dollar. I can't believe they're, you know, they're, they don't need all that money. And, and it's just, it's exhausting to hear other, other Christians judge all these ministers about their natural wealth and what they're worth, right? Their natural worth. And, and, and it's like, well, do you know how they got that wealth? Did they steal it from grandmas? Did they, did they sell their children into slavery or something? I mean, do you know how they got that wealth? No, then, then it's none of your business. It's none of my business, amen? Well, they don't need, they don't need a 26,000 square foot house. Is it any of my business? Why are we making it my business? Why are you making it your business? It's not your business, Amen. Uh, because for you to say they don't need that, then you're standing in position of judge over their life. Are you their judge? Well, it, you know, they don't need that. Well, based on what? I mean, how much, how much money did you give away last year? How much money do you reckon they gave away last year? I mean, I don't know, but I bet, I imagine, because they have all those things, I, I just suspect that they probably gave away a whole lot more money than you did. Well, they have more money to start with. Well, I mean, that may be true, but... Um, 
uh, you know, they, they don't need a jet airplane. And it's the same old, same old, right? It's just, it's just so, is God, is God broke? Is he poor? Is he, is he limited in his ability to, to fund the earth? I mean, he says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullest thereof. So every single thing that we own came from the earth. Every jet airplane came out of the ground, right? Every automobile came out of the ground. Every house came out of the ground. And, and that ground is owned by the Lord. Never, the, the Satan has not owned the earth. He's not transferred ownership of the earth to Satan. He's the God of this world system, but not the God. he doesn't own the world. Uh, and so um, if the Lord said he'd increase you a hundredfold if you give away, uh, if you give things to the Lord, right, for his sake and the gospel's sake, then... Uh, could it possibly be that some of these ministers that are, that are very wealthy have not, it, could it be that they've that wealthy because they've received, received a hundredfold of their giving? I mean, they could very well be, uh, unless you know everything and, and uh, can see into the realm of the spirit, uh, you just have to leave it alone, amen? And so I would, you know, I would encourage you, don't ever disparage somebody else, especially, uh, especially people in a ministry, because, you know, if they, have given everything that they have to the Lord and he's responded by, by rewarding them diligently because of their diligence, uh, then you're standing in judge and you're standing on the wrong side of, of the Lord. Amen. Remember in Romans 14, it says, uh, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? And he's just talking about whether you eat, eat meat or eat vegetables. And, he, and, and although he called it might be good just to, to read a little bit of that in, in Romans 14. Um, I think Romans 14 is, is a good chapter because uh, it keeps things in balance. Um, he says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one to believe that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. So, you know, if you're a vegetarian, what's Paul say? Weak, you know. Weak in what? Weak in faith, right? Um, and so... Uh, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So or should you look down at, well, you know, I'm not comfortable eating, you know, pork or whatever. Oh, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating pork. Well, then you're despising them that don't want to eat pork, right? Uh, and so anything wrong with eating pork? No, nothing wrong with eating pork. Uh, and so let him, uh, let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received God hath received him. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? So why are we sending a judgment over each other? Amen. Especially these ministers, are they not servants of God? Uh, you know, I mean, I, to my knowledge, none of them stood up and said, Jesus is not Lord. Every one of them stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. So for me to, to judge them in any capacity, I am, I am judging another man's servant. Well, who, whose servant are they? Well, they're the Lord's servant. So uh, if they work for the Lord and his servant, then, then I'm taking a position that doesn't belong to me. And so it's really, uh, um, I, I have seen people, in fact, I saw one group, they, they got on uh, in, the, in the church service, they had a presentation, right, PowerPoint slides, fancy slides, about why it's wrong, and they named names. So-and-so, they got so much money, they got so many jet airplanes, so-and-so, and they're all wrong. Well, that's really tough, you know. I mean, you can talk about things in general, but when you start calling out names, now you're judging another man's servant, right? Now, if they came up with bad doctrine and say, you've got to sow to my ministry and only my ministry, and that's how you're going to get uh, prosperous, well, that's bad doctrine, right? So we can talk about bad doctrine. Uh, but uh, to go beyond that, you're starting to judge another man's servant, and it's, it, and it's foolish, amen? Uh, and you will find yourself on the wrong side of the Lord really quick, amen? Uh, and so uh, is it any of my business how big of a house they've got? No. 
Should they have a house that big? I'll leave it alone. You know, we're working our way towards, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, but when you get to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, judge not, that, that lest you be judged. Amen? So, I mean, uh, your judgment should, should not cross uh, the Lord's judgment. Amen? Who art thou that judge another man's servant? Do, do any of those ministers report to you? Do they report to me? Then it's none of my business. Amen? Well, it's just wrong. It's none of my business. Uh, I have no opinion. Uh, is it right or wrong? I, praise God, you know. I mean, if they got it because of Mark chapter 10, then they'd given up everything for the Lord and for, for his sake and the gospel's sake, and he's rewarded them a hundredfold now in this life, then praise God, you know. Well, what if they didn't? And I, I mean, I don't know, none of my business. I think the Lord is well able to take care of it, amen. And so we should leave those things alone. Uh, of course, you know, to, to balance some of that out, to turn, turn back to Matthew chapter 6, and of course, uh, we're going to be getting into some of this as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. But I think it would be good just to, to read a couple of these uh, verses here. Matthew 6, it says, uh, uh, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where, where moth and wrath doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So those three verses just kind of talk about our general attitude. So uh, what Jesus is saying here is your vision should always be towards heaven, right? Remember the, the, the goal, the, the mark of the prize of the high calling? So the goal is always heaven. Uh, and, uh, but the thing is, if you do things on the earth that, is, that, that you're generous, that, you're, that you give, and Luke 6.38 says, if you give, it shall be what? Give it unto you, but how much? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? And running over. Is that not a true verse? Did Jesus not himself say those words? He did. So, so how, how is it possible that you can have no treasures on the earth and all your treasures are only in heaven? That's really not possible because uh, part of how you get uh, treasures in heaven is by being a giver, right? And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about giving your life, right? Giving your life to the Lord, giving your, your energies to the Lord, giving uh, your talents and abilities to the Lord, giving your finances to the Lord, giving your things to the Lord for the benefit of His gospel. And, but He said, you'll receive if you do that, right? I mean, Mark 10 says that, Luke 6, 38 says that. So uh, as long as your focus is always on heaven, then uh, it doesn't matter how much you have on the earth because it's not about, you know, you're not trying to, if your goal is to accumulate the largest wealth that you could possibly get on the earth, and you could care less about the future, care less about heaven. Remember the parable of the man said, you know, he had all this wealth, and he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger barns. Well, where was his focus? It was only on earth, right? It was only on, on him amassing wealth. Uh, whereas Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, if you give all these things for my sake and the gospel's sake, then your treasure's in heaven. But he said, I'm still going to respond and give you on the earth. So it's really where, where, where is the focus of your heart? If you focus on if your heart is always to advance the gospel through whatever means that God has given to you, right? Uh, I mean, if, you're, if you've got this super uh, amazing ability to come up with witty inventions, for example, you know, Proverbs talks about witty inventions. Uh, so you, you have this mind that just thinks about uh, inventions that you can make and sell. Well, if, who gave you that ability? Well, the Lord did. So if you, if you think, well, I'm, I can sell this widget and then I can tie, I can fund the mission program and the building program and the youth program and, 
uh, well, is that not a valid thing to do? Uh, in fact, you know, uh, just uh, real quick in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, he's talking about ministries here. Uh, and he says uh, in verse 6, uh, he says, well, in verse, in verse uh, well, let's just start in verse 4. For, for as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So is there, uh, is there a difference among uh, people in the church? There is. Is that a good thing? That's a wonderful thing. Amen. We're not the same. We should not be the same. I should not try as a pastor to make you me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just if you just if you watched how I study and how I put together my notes, you know, most people just uh, it, it, they would get lost, right? You know, it's it, it's just the way I do it. It's the way I like doing it, and and so uh, it's not for everybody. I can guarantee you it's not for everybody, right? Uh, and so, but it helps me to do it the way that I want, that the way that I need to do it. And so that's different maybe than somebody else does it. And I had one pastor get up and say. You should never use a computer to study with. You know, don't don't get your your Bible uh, information off of off of computers. Get a get a printed book. I, you know, I've got 255 translations on my, or actually more than that now. On my, uh, I don't even have 255 Bibles. And you know how long it would take to pull down 255 Bibles to look up one verse? You'd be here all day just looking up one verse. Uh, and, and, and it's like, well, why'd you, why'd you, why, why'd you stop at, at the book, right? Because was the book the first technology that made the Word of God available? No. What was available before books? Scrolls, right? What was available before scrolls? What were the Ten Commandments written on? Uh, that was the first tablets, right? Uh, and so except they were stone tablets. Uh, and you, you want me to have a, a warehouse full of stone tablets? I mean, how far back are we going to go? Uh, you know, you said you stopped at books, but why'd you stop at books? Books were an amazing invention, right? Gutenberg's first Bible that he printed in, it was in 1400 or so was an amazing technological advancement. Huge, changed the world. Well, that was only five or 600 years ago. So for a millennium before that, they had scrolls. So, I mean, yeah, so you stopped 600 years ago? That's as far as you're going to advance? You're not going to advance any further past than, I mean... Uh, Dr. Strong's who wrote Strong's uh, Concordance that was in the 1800s well that was hundreds of years after the book and that's an amazing invention right anybody, have a strong, anybody ever had a Strong's Concordance I used to have a Strong's Concordance a Young's Analytical Concordance you know, and, I, and I remember studying opening the, you know, it's like this book you know, and, and you hope that whatever word you're looking up doesn't have a hundred entries right? because uh, you, know, you want to have like three, three entries but no sometimes it's like a hundred and it doesn't have the whole verse. It only has a portion of the verse. So if you want to see what the whole verse, you got to still open up your Bible and flip to that verse and read the whole thing in context and say, you know, that's so slow. But that was 100 years ago. Yeah, and then the first computer programs were, came around in the 80s and really in the 90s, you know, and then, of course, now the Internet's everything's available. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, gifts differing, amen, every member of one another having then gifts differing. So for me to say the way you do it is wrong, that's not my job. You do it the way you do it. Now, I might be able to help you and say, hey, if you do it this way, it'll be better. Uh, that, and that's fine. We, you know, we can learn from each other. Can we not learn from each other? But to say that you're doing it is wrong, how, how do you know it's wrong? 
because it's different the way I'm doing it. Well, that's really a, not a very good measurement that, you know, the way you're doing it is wrong. Now, look, if he, if he likes to pull down books and read them, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I got no problem with that. It is so slow. I would, I mean, I just, the thoughts of that, you know, just, just, uh, uh, I just would never want to do it that way. I mean, I used to do it that way, but I just never would want to go back. Uh, and if he wants to do it that way, I got no problem with it. You know, no problem at all. None of my, none of my business. I just leave it alone. But for, for him to say, what, you know, then, then see, that doesn't allow for there to be differing gifts among the church. Amen. My, the way I study is very tech, technologically heavy, right? I've got all kinds of computer stuff going on, and it's just, that's the way I do it, right? And is that wrong? It's not. But I, I've, I've had ministers say it's wrong. If you use too much intellect when you study, you're wrong. Well, who gave me my brain? The Lord gave me my brain. Am I supposed to walk in the church and check my brain on, on, the, on the coat rack over there? I mean, some people do, right? It's like, uh, I haven't used my brain in months. And, and so, uh, but my brain is my brain and, and the Lord gave it to me. So I should be able to use it to its full ex- extent. And I understand you can get out of balance in those things where you're very naturally minded and not spiritually minded. I, there is a balance to the, all, all things, amen. But to say that, that my way is right and your way is wrong for things that there's no book, is there any book chapter and verse on thou shalt study this way? All he told Timothy is study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If I can use my methods and rightly divide the word of truth, and you can use your methods to rightly divide the word of truth, then, then that's as far as the word of God goes. Amen. Now, I know that in Romans chapter 8 talks about being naturally minded, right? It's enmity towards God. Uh, but I'm not naturally minded. I'm not like, oh, you know, I'm going to go use all these $64 words to really impress everybody. If that's my goal, you know, then clearly I'm out of, I'm out of balance there. But he said, uh, having gifts differing then according to the grace that is given to us. So, you know, the grace is God's ability to work in, any, in you to accomplish his will on the earth. Well, uh, people have different levels of grace, right? Grace will increase. Grace can abound and, and, and be multiplied to each other. Uh, and uh, you can grow in grace and God's ability working in you to accomplish his will in the earth. Uh, and so we're going to have different levels of grace, just like we have different levels of faith, just like we have different levels of understanding of the word. Uh, but he said, uh, according to the grace that's given to you, whether, prophesy, uh, uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. That's, you know, that's an interesting phrase there, that people can prophesy but one person can do it with a greater amount of faith than somebody else. That's what it says right there, according to the proportion of faith. Uh, and, and so first of all, then it tells us a, a little bit of insight there that even spiritual gifts like prophecy um, require faith on your part. Because if the Lord gives you an, an unction to prophesy, well, how do you know that's the Lord? How do you yield to that? You, you know it's the Lord, and you yield to it by faith. You believe that this is, that this is really a word from the Lord, and you believe that, that when you step out, uh, and, and, um, uh, and generally speaking, uh, the ways that, like prophecy would work is the Lord's going to give you a portion of the prophecy, maybe a word or a phrase initially, and you have to step out in faith and, and say that, and as you say it, the rest will come. Because it's by faith, right? And so, well, Lord, you need to uh, print out the prophecy to me in triplicate and email it to me prior to me getting up and saying anything. He's like, uh, I don't answer to you. I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a hint of a word. And then you've got to have faith to step out and say those things. 
and then the rest of it will come, amen? And so according to the proportion of faith. Or, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches, he that teaching, or he that exhorteth uh, on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. So back to what we were talking about earlier, giving is a ministry that the Lord calls some people to, right? I mean, all of us can give, but some people, he just like the rich young ruler, he, he should have been this guy right here, right? He should have been the guy that uh, the Lord could have multiplied a hundredfold and he could have really helped the, 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 uh, the move of God in those things. Uh, so there are people that God will call to do this ministry, amen? Uh, and so there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, let him do it with simplicity and ruling and uh, with diligence, show mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of things that the Lord has called us to. So when, when Matthew tells us to lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to have a saving account or checking account or investment account. Uh, it's not about any of that. It's about what's your goal in having those things. Is your goal in having those things to die with the most toys? Well, then, yeah, you're wrong, right? Your, your treasures are only on the earth. But if your, your thoughts are, Lord, if I can double this, in, this investment, then, then I can increase, uh, instead of just tithing, I can give 20%. I can give 30%. Uh, you know, Brother Hagen was talking about one fella. It was his Sunday school, uh, his Sunday school superintendent. And um, uh, he'd gotten in an accident, and, and he was talking to the Lord about his Sunday school superintendent. He said, Lord, this, this man, the doctor said he's going to die. But I need this man. He, he's a Sunday school superintendent, best one I've ever had. Doesn't cause me any trouble. And if I need him, you need him. Uh, but he also said, Lord, he gives 30 to 35% of his income into the church. And he said, without him, the church would struggle financially. And he said, the reason why I know how much he gives to the church, because he said the IRS called the church and said, we're just double checking that this man submitted his tax returns and said he gave 35% to the church. Is that true? You know, you, uh, and of course, that would never happen today, right? Uh, if you did that, they'd probably come guns a-blazing. And, you know, there's no way you gave 35% to the church. Uh, and so, um, but that man was used to, as a giver to the church, amen? Uh, and so, so that means that the man, see, he gave 35% of his income, but it must have been a substantial income because the church, uh, he said the church would have struggled financially without his income. So if you're making a dollar a year and you give 35% of your income, well, that's great. But, you know, 35 cents is probably not going to cause the church to be financially successful. Amen. And so we're not disparaging people who give 35 cents, but uh, this man must have been having a, a large income in, a, in order for the church to be uh, stable financially because of his, uh, because of his giving. Uh, and the point in that is uh, that means that the man must have had a, a significant income to begin with. Amen. Uh, and so is there anything wrong with having a significant income? Well, no, there's nothing wrong with having a significant income. Amen. Uh, what's your goal and desire in having that? If your first thoughts are always for yourself, then yeah, that's an issue, right? And, and, uh, and so we'll just, we'll just one other, uh, turn over to James. Uh, we'll look at one other uh, verse in there. Um, I think it's James chapter 4 is where you want to go. Um, yeah, James chapter 4. Um, and I just want to read this verse because uh, this verse has always helped uh, me and my wife here. Uh, since we've been married, he said in verse uh, 3, he said, you ask and receive not. So verse 2, he said, you, you have not because you ask not. So, there, you know, sometimes people just never ask in the Lord for things, right? Well, you shouldn't ask the Lord for things. Well, that's what you're going to get. You ask for nothing, what are you going to get? You're going to get nothing, right? You have not because you ask not. But he said, 
you ask and receive not because you ask amiss or ask incorrectly or with the wrong motives that you may what? Consume it upon your own lusts and desires. So if your goal in, in asking the Lord for things is just to say, Lord, I want to have this because, you know, I want to have the biggest car, or the biggest house or the you know, fanciest diamond ring or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the wrong motives, amen? But what if you ask for the correct motives? Then you would ask and receive, wouldn't you? Uh, and so, you know, some people, uh, I, I was talking to somebody one time, I said, uh, I said, man, I'd love to have a Rolex. You know, it's like, you know, I just, I, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I got no problem with the Rolex, but to me, I just, they're just not the nicest looking watches, in my opinion, right? Now, the presidential with the diamonds, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It's okay, right? But, uh, um, you know, they're like, oh, I'd love to have a Rolex, you know? Uh, and so, I mean, I don't know, you know, I just, it's one of those things that just, I never have really thought about it. it you know, what's the, what's the, what's the, what would you love to, what kind of watch you'd love to have? I don't know, does it have a date on it? You know, does it, does it, does it tell, you know, does it have a stopwatch, you know? I'm wondering, you know, does it tell my heartbeat? Well, there's no Rolexes to tell your heart rate, you know, uh, or the number of steps you've taken. Um, my, my, uh, my watch does that, all those things. Tells me if, it's, if the decimal level's too loud, right? Tells me if, if, uh, if uh, um, uh, it'll tell you, the ones nowadays even tell you if you fall, right? Oh, if sorry, you tripped, you know? Should I call 911? I just tripped, shut up. Uh, and so, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're really kind of, you know, nosy, right? Are you okay? None of your business. Am I okay? You know, leave me alone. Uh, and so, I mean, I, you, you want a Rolex? I don't care. I mean, it's fine, right? Uh, uh, and so, I think Keith Moore had a message one time, would, would Jesus wear a Rolex? Probably made all kinds of religious people mad, you know? Uh, and, um, uh, and so, uh, but, you know, the thing is, are, are you wanting to receive things to consume it upon your own lusts? Or are you wanting it because you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting things, uh, but you know, I tell the Lord all the time, everything I own is available for you to use in whatever capacity you'd like. You know, every, uh, if I own a truck and somebody needs a truck, you know, they, can, uh, they can use a truck. I mean, look, if you call me every day for my truck, you're not going to get it every day, right? Uh, uh, and so I'm not going to just gonna give you my truck because I need my truck. But, but if, you need, you know, if, you, if you need some help with some things, you know, I'll be glad to help, amen? Uh, and so, but there's always people who want to take advantage of that and say, well, didn't you give me all your stuff? I'm not giving you all my stuff. You get your own stuff. Uh, and so people that are like that are just, they're, they're selfish, right? And, and they're, they're just trying to, uh, uh, trying to uh, ruin what the Lord has done. Uh, and so, uh, so he told that about the registering ruler, and uh, I've got a bunch of other verses in here, but um, he talked about Moses, um, about esteeming riches in, in Hebrews eleven twenty six, about esteeming the riches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto, unto the recompense of the reward. So Moses, you know, Moses was was uh, he would never have been Pharaoh because he was adopted, but he would have always been a prince of Egypt uh, and held in high high regards. And yet it says he esteemed the the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Uh, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, right, or the, or the giving of the reward. Uh, and so uh, Moses knew there was a reward. Did, did, was Moses rewarded? I mean, uh, you know, you think about Moses, and I love Moses. He's one of my favorite, maybe, maybe uh, uh, one of the top three for sure, anyway, Old, Old Testament uh, uh, characters. He got to see things that people still haven't seen today. You know, uh, I mean, Joshua parted the Jordan River, uh, Moses parted the Red Sea, and and all those other other amazing um, 
uh, miracles, and even saw the, the hinder part of the Lord. We don't know anybody else except for Jesus that did something like that. Uh, and and uh, had the glory of God, you know, on his face to the point that he had to put a veil on his face. Uh, Moses, you know, got to experience an amazing uh, amount of the Lord. For an Old Testament figure, he, he got to see an amazing amount of, of the Lord. And so, but that, and that was on the earth, amen? It wasn't in heaven, it was here on the earth. Um, and so some, some, of the, uh, some of the rewards, uh, we read Mark chapter 10 and talked about, you know, the houses and lands and the families and those types of things. So we do know that there's natural things. When it comes to the eternal rewards, we don't have a lot of details about what they are. It says that, you know, someday we'll get rewards. Uh, we've got some things, a few things here, but, but I don't think this is at all all-encompassing of what we'll see. I'll just read a couple of examples here of some of the things that the Lord tells us that we'll receive. In 2 Timothy 4, 8, he says, henceforth, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So there's laid up for him, right? Treasures laid up for you in heaven. So there is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So that we don't receive that here in this earth, that's going to be a future, right? So he's, remember what Jesus told Peter in Mark 10, that in this life you'll receive things, and in the next life, eternal life, uh, and in that eternal life, we're going to, one of the things we will receive, if we love his appearing, if we're glad to see him, is a crown of righteousness. Amen. Now, we do know that the elders were casting their crowns, right, to Jesus in heaven. And so it appears that one of the things we will do with our treasures in heaven is we will use them to worship the Lord with. What else will we do with them? I don't know. I mean, we don't have a lot of details about what's going to go in heaven. Whatever it is, it's going to be good, right? Uh, when we jump over to, uh, to the book of Revelation, the seven churches, he told each of them different things that uh, they would receive as rewards. And so just real quick, uh, we'll just go through the different churches there. In uh, Revelation 2, 7, he told the church at Ephesus, uh, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I, I expect that, that, that these things are not unique just to that one church, and unless you're in church at Ephesus, you don't get to eat of the tree of life. I suspect that all of these things are available to all Christians, amen, who overcome. Uh, and so we can look at all of these things because we're all of us are all of these churches. And so if you overcome, you'll get to eat of the tree of life. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, we, we, I mean are we not, do we not? So that's good. If you overcome, you don't get to go to hell. You get to not go to hell. That's a pretty good deal, right? Just that alone would, be, would make us all pretty happy. Uh, 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 Pergamus, the church in, in uh, Revelation 2, 17, he said, thrown in hell. So that's good. If you overcome, you don't get to go to hell. You get to not go to hell. That's a pretty good deal, right? Just that alone would, be, would make us all pretty happy. Uh, 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 Pergamus, the church in, in uh, Revelation 2, 17, he says, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Uh, so, you know, they got to experience the manna in the natural world uh, in, the, in the book of Exodus, but we get to have hidden manna. Well, what is that? Well, we don't know, but it's got to be good, right? And we'll give him a white stone. Uh, and in that stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, save it he that receive it. So he's going to give you a, a name that, that's just special to you. Uh, and, and, um, and hidden manna. Uh, the church of Thyatira in verse 26, uh, uh, he said to him, I will give power over the nations. Well, we do know that the church is going to rule the world with Jesus. Amen. Uh, and so if you're an overcomer, then, you know, you may be over Iraq or over, you know, uh, I'm hoping that I'm over, you know, like, I don't know, Hawaii or somewhere, you know, nice and warm, right? Of course, who knows what's going to happen. Then he may re, re, uh, 
he may fix all the climate uh, issues and make everything wonderful then. We're going to, because we're going to get a new heaven, new earth. Amen. And you know, the reason why we have seasons, four seasons, because the earth is not, it's tilted off its axis, right? And so in the summertime, the earth is pointed more towards the sun. And in the wintertime, it's uh, where we're at, it's pointed further away from the sun. And it's just a little bit, but it's enough to cause the four seasons. Uh, well, if the earth was on uh, its axis that was, uh, that was the same as the, the uh, revolution around the sun, there would never be any, there would never be any uh, seasons. We'd be the same temperature all year round. Uh, and so is the Lord going to straighten the earth up? I don't know. Uh, some people have said that uh, one of the theories of when, when Lucifer fell, uh, and you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and of course it's just theory, right? So I don't know. You just, uh, but the earth at one time was not that way. It, didn't, it wasn't tilted on its axis, but when sin occurred, it tilted the whole earth, which would, uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me if that happened that way. Uh, or the Lord could have done it that way himself. I don't know. Uh, it's not really worth arguing about. But um, uh, in, um, in Revelation 3, 5, he told the church of Sardis, He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So Jesus will confess your name before the Father and the angels. Father, uh, uh, this is so-and-so. Wouldn't that be nice, right, to have... Jesus introduced you to the Father? That'd be all right. Amen. The church at Philadelphia in verse 12, him that overcomer will make a pillar in the temple of my God. So there's going to be a temple, uh, and he's going to have major people uh, in that temple, and he shall go no more out, and I'll write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem, which coming down out of heaven from my God, I'll write upon him my new name. Uh, the church at Laodicea, you know, he didn't have much good to say about the Laodicean church. But he did say, if you, if you overcome, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. And then finally, he says, in, uh, all the way in chapter 21, verse 7, uh, he said, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Uh, and so uh, if, we, if we stay the course and we overcome, what are we going to get? Well, he said everything, right? Inherit all things. So he gave it all the specifics there, uh, some of the specifics in chapters 2 and 3. But then in verse 21, he said, look, I'll, just, I'll tell you what, I'll just, you get everything. You, just get, you can have everything. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, even now in this world, we're not going to have everything. For one thing, where will we put it, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we can be blessed beyond measure even in this earth, but it still won't be compared to everything that we'll get when we get to heaven. So the, the thing that's nice about that is you know, for the Lord, he's, he's just such a giver. Uh, he wants to bless us, to increase us, right, to be good to us. And, uh, and, he, and he's always encouraging us. Look, stay the course, right? Press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. Do that. Do the hard work. Resist the devil. Resist the world. Resist the temptations. And if you'll overcome, there's so much for you. There's so much available to you. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes people, they, they lose hope. Lord, what's the point in serving you? everything. The, you get everything, both in this world and in the world to come. There's value in serving the Lord, but people don't really believe there's value in serving the Lord. That's why they don't serve the Lord. That's why so many Christians struggle with just doing the simplest things for the Lord. Just, well, I, you know, I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to do that, you know, Lord. And they just, and you think, well, well, you're missing the whole point. You know, press toward the mark, press toward the goal. Whatever the goal the Lord has for you, you know, I knew when I was a teenager, I, I mean, I've been saved not long, 
And I knew not long after I got saved, I would be in the ministry someday. I started that day uh, buying, you know, I'm, I'm 15 years old, 16 years old. I'm buying Strong's Concordances, uh, Vines Dictionaries, uh, Naves Topical Bibles, Greek and Hebrew Interlinear Bibles, uh, you know, uh, a study Bible. You know, I used to have a giant, uh, you know, because by law, when you first get saved, you're supposed to have the biggest Bible that there is, right? So I had one of these giant family Bible was like blue, right? It's always, always blue, uh, and, and it was huge, right? It was giant, giant print. You know, I could just leave it at home and read it. I mean, wherever I was, I could still see it, right? Leave it at home. Uh, and, but I eventually got a, a study Bible, uh, and, uh, and I just set on, I set on the course to start studying and praying towards the goal. Uh, and, you know, it took, I was a little slow. It took me nearly 30 years to get there, but I got there, amen? Uh, and so... Now, none of that was wasted time. All of those, all of those years and understanding how Strong's numbers worked and Greek and Hebrew and uh, all those things, how all those things worked, all those have served me well over the years. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and I didn't lose hope. I, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't get to be 25 and go, I'm never going to get there. I didn't get to be 35 and go, I'm never going to get there. I didn't get to be 40 and I'm never going to get there. I got there when I got there. Uh, and, uh, and I'm still haven't received all of, the, all of the, the blessings of the Lord in that, no doubt, because there's always more, amen? Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, always know that there's a reward. The Lord, he said, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Uh, and don't ever get despondent. Uh, work as hard as you can at whatever you can. Uh, and, um, and just, and never be afraid of that, amen? Some people, they're so afraid of, well, if I work that hard, they're just going to use me. They're just going to use me and just, you know, so what? My pastor, I mean, the very first, uh, very first tape message, he wanted, he wanted a tape message on, um, I'll think about what the title was here in just a minute, um, uh, but it was a two-tape series, and he'd never had any tape message. Now, this was back before, you know, now it's all easy, it's all digital, right? But back then, if you wanted to edit a tape, you had to put two tapes, right, in a tape deck, and you had to hit record and play, and then if you didn't like something, you had to hit stop, had to hit rewind that, and hit record and, and overwrite the last thing you just, I mean, it was so, it was so, took forever to do that. But I, I did that. I spent so many hours editing that tape series for him. Uh, and, and just two tapes. And I spent so many hours designing the cover. You know, uh, I only had a black and white printer, right? That was before everybody had a color printer, but, uh, but... I uh, spent so many time, uh, hours on the computer designing it and, and getting all the information because he, he had to have a little blurb on the back, had to have a title on the front, and had to have the things on the side, and had to have the labels uh, just so. Uh, I mean, I mean you, you can't imagine. It's probably, I, I, uh, who knows, 50 hours. It's probably conservative how much time, just that one tape series. First one he ever did, right? So he had to learn everything to do that one tape series. Uh, and... I, I got done, uh, I handed it to him, he goes, man, it'd be great, you think we can get color next time? Uh, uh, he didn't even say thank you, right? He didn't even say, wow, that's amazing, thank you for all the work. He didn't, you know, and I could have lost hope in, in that moment, right? The, you know, he just, just took it and didn't even, didn't even thank me for it. Uh, but it was always sowing and reaping to me. It wasn't about uh, that he had to pat me on the back, and, and he could have, and he really should have, right? It had been perfectly fine and reasonable for him to thank me for doing that, but he, this, he, that wasn't him. He was not somebody who was ever thankful for the people that did things for him. Uh, I believe he is now. I see him in heaven. He'll be uh, super happy to see me. I'll be glad to see him too. 
we look forward to seeing him in heaven. Uh, but uh, but I, didn't, I didn't lose hope. I did a second tape series and a third tape series. And then finally we got color and we did all the, you know, the CD series and all kinds of things. And, uh, and um, you know, a lot of other stuff trans- uh, transpired during those times with him over the years. But, but I didn't lose hope in those things. Amen. Uh, and I believe the Lord has, has, I'm getting the reap now just in the ministry, the, the years that I sowed with him. Amen. And I believe there's still yet, and even, uh, you know, I tell Chris every now and then, I said, yeah, we, we haven't received all of uh, 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 the investment that we did when we were with my pastor. There's still more for us in the ministry uh, that the Lord will still give to us at some point uh, at his timing uh, for the years that we sowed with my pastor. Amen. Uh, and so, so I, I, I'll never lose hope. Amen. Uh, even uh, preaching in this, I'll never lose hope. Uh, if, we, if there's one person that comes to a, a service for the rest of my life, and the Lord wants me to be right. I mean, I am not going to lose hope. And I will continue to encourage myself. Lord, I'm just, if you want me to be here, I'll, I'll be here. Amen. If we have 500 people, I'm still not going to lose hope. Because, you know, some people, if they have 500 people, they're mad because they don't have 600. If they have 1,000, they're mad because they don't have 2,000. You know, I mean, so, you know, you got to have, I'm always going to have hope no matter what. Uh, and, uh, and that way, it's easy. The, the, the pressing toward the mark is easy because, I just do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Uh, and so is there value in serving the Lord? There's great value. Is there value in this life? There is value in this life serving the Lord. Is there value in the life to come, the eternal life? There is value in the eternal life. We, we will lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We don't know what all that looks like. We don't know what we're going to do with it. What are you going to do with a, with a, I want a lottery in, in heaven. Okay, what are you going to do with that money? I don't know. You know, I mean, you don't need to buy a boat in heaven, right? I guess. I, mean, I don't know. We're going to get to new earth, so maybe we'll be back on the earth with a boat. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Doesn't matter. He, uh, nothing. It's there. It's going to be there anyway. Amen. So um, no need to lose any sleep over it. But it's going to be good. Whatever it is, going to be good. Uh, and so let's thank the Lord for his, for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that there's great hope in serving you, both in this life, Father, and the life to come. There's great joy in serving you, Father. Uh, there's joy in doing everything that we can in this life to, to be a, a blessing to you and to your church, Father. And so, Father, we will, we will put our hands to whatever there is and never lose hope, Father. Never, never feel like it was wasted time. And so we thank you for that, Father, that you, that you will always reward those who diligently seek you. And so we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Let's get ready to receive the seasons offering. You know, I'll tell you about one thing. You know, after my pastor died, I had this one fellow, and, and I was so disappointed when he said that, because we were in church together for years. I mean, like, like decades, nearly 20 years together in church. Uh, and he came up to me one day after my pastor died, and he said these words to me. He said, don't you wish you had all that money that you gave to, to the pastor? All that, don't you wish you had all that money back that you gave to the pastor over those years? That's such a carnal thing to say because what, was I given to the pastor to get something from the pastor? Did he owe me something for giving it to him? See, in his mind, he, he was giving to the pastor to get back from him and he didn't follow through because he died early and so now he wished he had all that money back. Well, that is a very carnal mentality, amen? If, uh, come ahead, Mr. Jerry, receive the offering. See, he never thanked me for anything I ever did for him, except, for, I mean, he did once or twice in the 20 years I was there, literally once or twice in the 20 years I was there. 
But it doesn't matter. The Lord saw every, every second, every minute that I spent doing those tapes and books and whatever. He saw every minute of that, and He will reward me. Amen? Because I did it for Him. I didn't do it for the pastor. I did it for the pastor, obviously, but, but it wasn't for laying up myself treasures on the earth. It was, I'm going to do this for the pastor because I love the Lord. Uh, and, and don't regret a single minute don't regret a single dollar I ever gave to him because it's all in the Lord's hand. It's in his treasury. It's in his account. Amen. Uh, and so, well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. So, um, uh, nothing going on this quiet weekend, right? So, we get to come just have church. Amen. So, uh, we'll, we'll be here back on Sunday. And the next Wednesday, of course, we'll have our guest ministers, uh, Larry and Angel Keaton. They'll be here with us just that Sunday or that Wednesday next week. So, be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord. And we'll see you on Sunday.